Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Commitment to Growth podcast. This is your host, Mariana, speaking, and thank you so much for coming and being a part of today's episode. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? If you're new, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back to another episode of the Commitment to Growth podcast. Can I just say that I cannot believe that it is mid-March 2022 as I am recording this. It feels like the year is going by lightning fast and I haven't even done half the things that I would have liked to do by now. Um, And there's so much happening and so little time. So I'm just amazed that we've made it this far under such harsh conditions with so much going on in the world. And It's lovely to be here with you today to take a bit of a lighter, soulful break from all of it. So thank you for choosing the Commitment to Growth podcast as your daily source of personal growth today and hopefully uh, a little safe haven, a little reservoir for you to kind of escape all of the going-ons that are occurring in the external world today. And I think, that being said, that you are tuning in for a conversation that will bring you some life back, leave you feeling well, because this week I am talking to Meg Hepner, who is quite honestly probably one of the most beautiful human beings that I have ever had the privilege of connecting with on social media, on a podcast, getting to converse with her. I left this episode wishing that I hadn't moved from the mainland here in British Columbia to Victoria just so I could (laughs) hang out with Meg on the weekends because she's so beautiful. She's such an incredible person with so much to share and I am so excited for you to hear our conversation this week. So to tell you a little bit about Meg, Meg is a life coach, blogger, and event host that is passionate about walking with people who want more out of life than just the status quo. She believes that life doesn't have to work out exactly the way we think it should in order to be enjoyed and that people don't have to be perfect in order to be loved. She believes that we all have the voice of truth inside of us, but sometimes it can be hard to hear. And most importantly, that we must live between the tension of accepting the things we cannot change and taking massive action on the things we can. Meg creates spaces where women can slow down and process all the things that are influencing and controlling their lives, their everyday thoughts, emotions, and the stories they have been telling themselves. Through one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and workshops, Meg helps women show up in the world with more love and less ego, more compassion and less judgment, more vulnerability and less shame, and more emotional agility and less fear. Meg is also the current branch director of South Surrey slash White Rock for Happy Healthy Women, and... She is the host of the Art of Being Human series, where she dives into life's big question with guests and explore what it means to be human. Before we recorded this conversation on my podcast, I actually had the privilege of being a featured guest on Meg's podcast back in October 2021. So if you want to go back and listen to that conversation, it was so amazing. It was one of the best guest interviews I've ever had the privilege of being guest too. So I will link that in the show notes if it's something that you want to go and listen to. But Meg is such a power woman. She is such a beautiful soul in the community and she is driving such meaningful change. And I am so excited to share this conversation with you where we dove into all about ourselves, exploring life's big questions, why it's so important to be curious, 
passing this curiosity down to younger generations so that they can live as more open and inspired and motivational individuals who also encourage others to see outside of themselves a little bit. We also talk about living with less to appreciate life's little gifts more. And we dove all into Meg's story of how she became to be a life coach and the purpose that is driving her in her profession today. So buckle up, grab something to write with because Meg drops so much knowledge. I was sitting on the Zoom call with my jaw dropped and my heart stopped because I was just in awe of everything that Meg had to share. So like I said, buckle up, grab something to write with, and let's get right into this interview. Before we do that, I do want to take a second to acknowledge that this episode was recorded on the land of the Lekwungen peoples, who are represented by the Songhees and Esquimalt nations, as well as the Wasanish peoples, who are represented by the Sartlip, Sayout, Saikam, Pakwachin, and Malahat nations. And I recognize that I show up today and I give this land acknowledgement as an uninvited visitor and settler to this traditional ancestral land. And I recognize that the bonds and the relationships with the land are held to this day by the indigenous communities that reside here. I show up as a learner, as a listener, and encourage you to do the same. And I acknowledge that I have much to learn still. And as such, I hope that my presence is contributing to deep-rooted change for these communities, and I look forward to continuing to show up and be an ally in this movement towards change. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Meg Hepner, welcome to the Commitment to Growth podcast. How are you? It's so good to see you. Oh my goodness. Honestly, I am so excited to be here and I'm so excited to get to spend some time with you. I have been counting down the days for this this to happen because I'm just so pumped. (laughs) Me too. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Meg and I already know each other because I had the privilege of being on her podcast, which I will let her talk to you about because it's also a wonderful resource out there that is doing lots of good things for very many people. So I am very excited to have you here today and to get to talk to you yeah. about you. So why don't, why don't you tell us about you? Tell us about the Meg Hepner story um, yeah, and about but- your life up until this point. I love that. This is like the tables have turned. Yes. Oh, <laughs> the last yeah. time we were doing this, it was the opposite. I love it. I know. The spotlight um, is on you this time. Totally. Well, whenever anyone asks me to introduce myself, I always like to say it was a dark and stormy night and my mom was heading off to the hospital, but I'm just <laughs> oh, kidding. Okay. I, I won't, I won't go back that far. <laughs> okay. I mean, how much do you want to know, right? No. Well, we, we um, totally can, see. whatever, whatever yeah, your sequence story, most start. aligns with you. Yeah, totally. I want to know like everything oh, that brought you up until story. this point, of course. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I, I love that. No, but Um, it's such an interesting thing to be asked to introduce yourself because who are you, right? Like, who are you really normally? Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Simple question. Answer is harder than you think because when you look at who you are, we answer that through labels, right? And if I were Mm -hmm. to answer you through my labels, I would say I'm a wife. I've been married to my husband for 22 years. I'm Mm -hmm. a mother. I have two teenage sons. I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. I would answer you... 
I'm a life coach and a hypnotherapist if I was trying to give myself professional labels. But what I like to say is that I'm just a human being who loves to wrestle with the big questions. Why Mm. am I here? Why do I have life? What does it mean to have life? What does Mm -hmm. it mean to be an identity, a person? What does it mean to just be a beneficial presence in this world? And I feel like that's just who I've always been. That's like Mm. the essence of myself. Since I was little, I remember just really looking up at the stars for a lack of a better way of saying it and just going Mm -hmm. like, why? Why and what and how? And Mm -hmm. life gave me all of these opportunities to struggle with the big questions. I grew up in a home that was really tumultuous. And so I had to struggle with what it meant to be a human being in that case. And then Mm -hmm. when I got into my 20s, I had to struggle with how do I be a person that recovers from that experience? Mm -hmm. And then in my 30s, I was able to become a person who said, how do I help other people do that? And Mm -hmm. now in my 40s, I'm able to just create communities where I work predominantly with women, but where women can come together and wrestle with those questions. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's, that's the way I like to introduce myself. I'm a person who's obsessed with the big questions and Mm -hmm. I want to wrestle with them every day. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm obsessed with that introduction. And I think that is so, (laughs) no, I like, I'm shook to the core right now because I've never, um, like, I think we, that's so true. Like we always define ourselves by these labels, right? Like, who am I? Like, how, what is my, what do I perceive my worth to be tied to my meaning to be tied to? But in reality, like we are all just this collective consciousness that is just having the human experience. Right. So thank you for such a beautiful answer. And there's so much there that I want to unpack. And the first thing I want to ask you because this is just the coolest thing about what you said to me. Um, among the coolest things that you said, <laughs> what, what, um, how young when you were you when you started having these like very existential questions, and what do you think guided you to have that curiosity for those big questions? Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. Um, I I was able to see the most unpleasant sides of humanity at a very young age and that Mm. made me go why why like Mm. what's why why is this person making this choice and as a young Mm. person I loved the people in my life that were making these poor choices and I cared about them and so for some reason my brain went into what can I do What can I do? Can I find them a solution? Can I find them an answer? And when I was experiencing it as a child, it was extremely stressful. But Mm -hmm. looking back now, right? Because when you have hindsight, I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful I wrestled with those questions early on. And there was something about being good and doing good in the world that I wanted. My heroes have always been people who were obsessed with creating a better world. And Mm -hmm. so I would look at my world and I would go, how do I do that? Right. Even as a young girl, I was like, I wanted to be like a mother Teresa. I was like, wow, she's amazing. She gave her life to goodness, you know, Mm -hmm. or if we look at people, 
in, in this day and age that are just going, I want to do good for humanity. And for some reason, I was just attracted to those people. And I was lucky enough to have an environment that that's kind of nurtured that. And, um, and so I was really young. I also had older brothers who were gracious mm. enough to be in self-help. They were super into self-help when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. And so they would pass down these books to me, like Unwaken or uh, Unleash the Giant Within, I think is one of them mm. was called like the Tony Robbins books and the yeah. Think and Grow Rich. And like they would pass mm-hmm. them down and I loved to read. And so I loved the stories, even though I didn't always understand the concepts, I loved the stories. And so mm-hmm. my environment was just so perfect. Um, to mm. nurture, nurture that desire in me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I think that's so, that's so big because I feel that the fact that you had that experience as a child and that curiosity for those answers to those why questions is so big because it's something that I don't think we're encouraged to do enough as children is ask why right? Like yeah. we live in such a rigid system of this is just the way it has to be with everything, right? And now we're awakening, like that's why we're, um, you know, tearing down the patriarchy and gender norms and we're just throwing out the window because the people, the most rebellious but biggest change makers in this world are the people that have been willing to ask why, right? And I think that yeah. that is something that holds so many people back from doing great things is because they don't stop to ask why, but because they haven't been encouraged to do that. Right. I, I so agree. And what's really, really interesting. And I find that like, I'm raising teenagers, so I kind of see this in Mm. my own house, but we're so quick to want to remove discomfort. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Quick. Don't do it. You know, oh, that's too hard. Well, then I should stop like, oh, you know, this puts me outside of my comfort zone. Therefore I should, you know, go back into my comfort zone or whatever. And the cool thing about growing up in a house where you couldn't get away from chaos, turmoil, and pain is that you had to figure out how to deal with it. And I think Mm. one of the things as young people today, if you can go look, this hurts and I don't have to remove the hurt right away instead I have to go what is the hurt trying to teach me what is it trying to show me how can I look at this and instead of taking it personally like why is this happening to me how can I look at it to go how is there an opportunity in here for me to learn more about what the human spirit is capable of mm-hmm Wow. That's so beautiful. So then how do you, is that something that you've always conceptualized or how do you think that, cause you know, even, even having experience around discomfort from a young age, it's yeah. still uncomfortable to do other uncomfortable things, right? Like doing that inner work. So how did you develop the confidence or the ability to do that inner work um, and ask those big questions and like really dive into them? Oh yeah, you know it's a, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I'm trying to think if if I could pinpoint it because you know it's such an interesting thing because life is made up of little choices. We're always waiting for that big choice, mm-hmm. but really mm-hmm. life is made up of tiny little choices. And Absolutely. had I made tiny little choices into a different direction, you know, I could have been a completely different person. But for some reason, I kept choosing this. Um, And so it's sort of like asking, where does the obsession and the courage and the continuation into this really uncomfortable space continue? And I think it's because I didn't know there wasn't a a different way of being. Like in when I grew up, Mm. everyone I knew had a home like mine. I didn't really know people who lived comfortably. 
my parents were immigrants. Um, they struggled all the time, right? They struggled emotionally, physically with substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera. And everyone I was surrounded with was struggling with the same thing. And so it never occurred to me to exit that. It never occurred to me that mm -hmm. I didn't have to live that way. And it's really interesting now because my kids, my kids live this really kind of ch charmed life. If I can say that <laughs> they don't really want for anything. They don't struggle for anything. Life comes really, really easy to them. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because I consciously have to make an effort to have them ask the bigger questions, because when you mm -hmm. take away any of that negative, when you take away that negative kind of stimulus, the things we would rather avoid, we get so comfortable and so complacent that nothing motivates us to mm -hmm. go, I got to figure this out. Like I got to, I got to do something. So I think yeah. it's just this, this idea, like I have to go through this. There's no way out. And then once I was on my own, once I was, you know, I grew up and I lived on my own and stuff like that, I was so used to going, not got to do hard things that I began to love it. It was like, yeah, mm. I'm going to go do a hard thing. Even now, like if I have a speaking engagement and it's bigger than something I've ever done before, I'll feel like physically nauseous. And my husband will talk to me and he'll be like, it's okay. You can do it. And I'm like, no, don't worry, babe. I love this feeling. It's all going to be okay. You know what I'm like? <laughs> puking into the bucket. And then I'm going, can I go get this talk? And he's like, you know, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, no, I want to do this. <laughs> because I love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my but God. I think. I think we forget that if you want to be courageous, if you want to be brave, if you want to be strong, if you want to be whatever, you don't get that way and then go do hard things. You get that way mm -hmm. because you did hard things, yeah. right? And so it's like, if you have listeners that are going, yeah, there's something really hard in front of me, you're not going to get courage and then it's going to be easy to go do that thing. You're going to yeah. do that thing and then you're going to go, holy crap, look at this. I'm a courageous person. How did this happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's so, that's so important. I think that that ties into, um, the idea of life is made up of the little choices, right? Not the big ones, right? Because there's ways for you to step-by-step, step, um, I guess, gradually subject yourself to progressive discomfort, right? Until you are yeah. confident on, in, in taking on, um, I guess more uncomfortable, things with a greater degree of discomfort, we'll say. So I think yeah. that's so important. And I want to ask you, because I thought that was super interesting, like that you notice that your children have it perhaps easier than I, than you did, if that's yeah, yeah. the way to put it. Um, yeah. How how are you cultivating that ability and that curiosity on their behalf to ask those questions, especially like when maybe the opportunity isn't there for them to to do so? Yeah, great. That's a great question. And I love the way you phrased all of that. Like that was so beautifully phrased, oh, like these you. varying degrees of discomfort. Like love that. That's, that's thank you. Pure gold, people. People should rewind that and write that down. That <laughs> I love that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, it's such an interesting question. One, I have to I have to put in place this disclaimer. I have like great fucking kids. Excuse me if I'm not allowed to you are so good kids like my kids are freaking amazing so one I start with some pretty freaking amazing kids oh, um so but two yeah but mm -hmm. two um I always asked them and I'm not perfect at this so I'm not sitting here like some expert but I mm -hmm. always asked them to think about the deeper meaning of things and I've 
forced them to have those conversations. Mm. Do you know what Mm. I mean? Like even when my kids were little and they would want something from the store, we would have the discussion of what does it mean to be someone who feels like they have to purchase this, right? Like I remember Mm. when my, when my oldest son was like five years old and we go to like Toys R Us, I don't think there are Toys R Us's out there anymore. So I know how old we are. It's kind of heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But I remember taking him to the Toys R Us and he would go like, mom, I want this. And I would say, okay, now we've got to sit and think about this because I didn't want my kids to be consumers right? I don't Mm -hmm. want my kids to fall into this culture of consuming. So I would sit there in Toys R Us and I would go, I want you to seriously consider how many times you're going to play with this. I want you to seriously consider what's it going to feel like if you're going to throw this in your toy bin and do nothing with it. What is that going to feel like to you? Is that going to feel like it's a good thing to have brought this home? Or is that going to feel like, oh, now I just have another thing to put in my room and make it messy? Like, think about it. You know, mm-hmm. and then we'd walk around this store while they'd hold it. And it was really interesting because the first couple of times they were like all kids. No, I want it. I'll take it home. I'll play with it forever, mom. Right. Totally. And then they would. Yeah. And yeah. And then in the evening when I would see it on the floor, I'd be like, hey, buddy, like, let's remember the conversation that we had on how this was going to be something that you didn't want after a while. And do you see how it's on the floor? and You don't care about it anymore. Yeah. And he would be like. Oh, yeah. So I forced them to kind of have Mm. those conversations that were probably a little bit too mature for them, but just wanting to constantly stretch, 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 you know, their brains. And, and so, you know, lucky enough, I have these great, fantastic kids who are thoughtful and, and, um, and good. But I know that life will also throw them curveballs. I know that even though I've done my best to prepare them, they will come up against hardship. And my only hope as a parent is that I've given them a foundation that makes them go, I'm willing to participate with hardship, but it will come to them. It does to everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that so much because I think that it's so important to introduce children to the concept of delayed gratification. Um, Because I think that so much of our, I guess, um, oh, the word just slipped my tongue here. Our <laughs> tendency, that's the one, our, their tendency to just kind of go th- for things because we want them so bad in the moment or just because um, we want that, I guess, that rush of dopamine, right? From per- be yeah. purchasing a toy or um, buying something else like as an adult or whatever that thing is that is only going to provide a temporary means of, of pleasure and satisfaction it's an ability that I think pulls us away from recognizing that there's so much merit in going through the process of be it self-development, be it asking those hard questions, whatever that is, because that's the greater reward at the end of the day, right? Not the thing that is going to immediately give you a boost of satisfaction. It's doing the work and sticking it through and recognizing that the biggest reward is in developing the resiliency to go through the discomfort. So I love that because that carries on into so many areas of their life. And I'm sure that they're doing the same now, right. With, with bigger things than just toys, obviously, but. Oh yeah. They're, they're crazy. They're, they're, they're so crazy. And in fact, sometimes I think I taught them the lesson too well, because my son is like, I do not need a car mother because public transport is better for the environment. I'm like, really? You're 17. You don't want to buy a car. No public transfer transportation is better you know, for the environment. And he has all these statistics. And I'm like, 
oh, okay. Like kind of, (laughs) but you know, what's really interesting um, about what you said, and I think it, I think it, it deserves attention when you believe the cultural narrative that you have to have things you get caught in this idea of I must get an education, I must purchase a home, I must have, you know, two really nice cars in the driveway, I must have 2.5 yeah. children, I must, you know, whatever, <laughs> I must have yeah. a, a, you know, a designer yeah. dog, I must have all these different things, yeah. right? If you believe that, you will get onto a track that you will not be able to get off of because Mm -hmm. there will always be something more for you to achieve as someone I'm a little bit older than you as someone who's entered my 40s already you begin to look back on your life and realize there's just always another thing to want if you don't get off that track of going I have to fill my life with all these different things you will go there and it will be forever you will be laying on your deathbed going well I hope my casket is the best casket and you know whatever like you will never stop wanting better things at some point in time if you want to find real joy in life real fulfillment you will need to get off of that track and go what's the most important thing in this world is who I'm becoming not Mm -hmm. what I have not what I do not what I accomplish who am I becoming? And then your goal isn't, I want to get that education or that job or that home or that car. Then your goals become, I want to increase the amount of love I can feel for people. I want to increase the amount of acceptance I have for hard things and mm-hmm. not acceptance like, oh, I just accept it. But like, you know, really going like, I, I understand right action instead of just instant reaction. You know, then you start to go, who am I becoming in the world? And then when that new shiny item gets to you, you go, I can't purchase that. You know why? I know within time that goes into a landfill. And that means I'm contributing to somebody else's pain. Even if it's just the earth, I'm contributing to the pain of the earth. I cannot do that. And you find yourself having a completely different life experience than the people who've decided to stay on the track. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, And that's a fascinating difference once you have the ability to watch the long-term results of those two different types of journeys, that's a fascinating thing. It really is. And I think that's so, it's, it's taking the mindset of enjoy the process, not, or, um, oh, again, the quote is slipping my mind. It's like, um, the yeah, journey, embrace the, the process. Yes, exactly. Right. Because like you said, we will never be satisfied. Like even once you achieve this big thing, you will want the next big thing, right? So you're way better off indulging in observing yourself grow. And I think that's such a big problem with why people are so unfulfilled now because we spend so much time looking for, you know, this person's three-step guide to becoming your best self or like this person's five-step guide to becoming um, that girl, like that trend that was going around in the summer. And (laughs) we are so focused on again, it goes back to that instant quick gratification, right? Of like, what's the easiest way for me to to get from A to B, right? Or what somebody else's formula, which is the best formula for me to become who I want to become. But the beauty is in creating your own formula and learning to embrace the process that allows you to make up that formula. And even once you have the formula, reshaping it as you continue growing, right? So I think that is such a beautiful thing and lesson that you are teaching your children that you started teaching your children now they're embracing right because that 
guarantee so much more fulfillment than if they were just having that kind of instant gratification mindset so that's so so cool if you think about it like that's the growing up process right like a lot of us adults are just children in adult-sized bodies because the growing Mm. up process Mm -hmm. is saying I am the decider of what's important or not like when we're kids we well like when we're born right we have no idea what's important and what isn't. So we just depend on our primary caregivers, whether that's our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our grandmas, our grandpas, whatever, whoever it was in your life, they are the ones who told you this is important. And what mm-hmm. you did is you went, oh, that's important. So I'll modify myself in order to be that thing or do that thing so that I can have a social community, right? That's how mm-hmm. life is set up. You're born as a baby, you modify your behavior to fit into your social environment, and you're happy for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when you become an adult, and if, you, if you're an adult who still needs the culture to tell them what's yeah. important, to tell them how you need to modify, you are going to be unhappy because you're ne- yeah. like, you know this, and especially as a woman, right? You're supposed to have this haircut this season, but then you're supposed to have that haircut the next mm-hmm. season. Then you're supposed to have, you know, wear these clothes one season and then yeah. a, a shade of difference the next. It's a never ending cycle if you're going to use the culture in place of your family. Like your family was the first people who told you this is who you have to be. If you, simply grow your body but not your mind all of a sudden the culture becomes the group Mm -hmm. that tells you who you have to be but the actual growing up process if you want to grow up and actually become an adult that whole process is you saying no 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 I decide what's important Mm -hmm. I decide what I value and what I don't value not the culture, not my religion, not my society, not any of that stuff. I am the one who makes those choices. That's when you know you've grown up. Yeah. You've actually become an adult. Mm -hmm. So for the people listening, for somebody who is wanting to start asking life's big questions or who somebody who doesn't feel like they have that kind of autonomy of asking those big questions and deciding for themselves what is true and beautiful to them, as I like to say, by author Glennon Doyle. Um, What would you say is a good place to start, to start um, kind of developing that sense of autonomy and like start diving into those questions? Yeah, that's that's an amazing question. Um, (laughs) I say that, I say this tongue in cheek, but the first thing to realize, just to open your mind to, (laughs) is the idea that nothing is real Hmm. it's simply what you've been told right so and here's what I mean right if I Mm -hmm. have a five dollar bill let's say I would have a five dollar bill right here that five dollar bill is literally a piece of paper Mm -hmm. it is nothing it is absolutely nothing the only reason we say that five dollar bill can be used as money is because we agree on that story. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what makes that real, right? Yeah. So the only reason that Canada, which is where we're we're doing this podcast, the only mm-hmm. reason that Canada is a real thing is because 8 billion people decided it was. That's mm-hmm. it. So it, you, if you go to the US border, there's nothing there that says, ah, you know, like now for some reason, you know, 
the earth has decided this is a different country. And no, yeah. we decided, us human beings decided this is Canada, this is the United States, this is Mexico, and we all just agree on it. But it's not true. Mm-hmm. We just agree, right? And so it's just like if your family or your culture has told you you have to be a certain way or a certain thing, that's not true. The only mm-hmm. reason it feels true is because you've heard it so many times. Like mm-hmm. in my culture, in, in when I was growing up, it was get an education, get a job, get married, have kids, clear path, done. Mm-hmm. That's not the only path to happiness. Mm-hmm. But because we were told that so often, get an education, get a job, get married, have kids. That, that was your yeah. path. It was laid out for you. You didn't even have to think about it anymore. That if you fell outside of that, let's say you didn't get married. Let's say you didn't get an education. Let's say you didn't have children. You, you felt like something was wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And the minute you think something is wrong with you, you begin to fill it with other things. Oh shit, something's wrong with me. So mm-hmm. now I got to do something. I got to hustle somehow to make up for that. But mm-hmm. that whole structure, that whole story is just something we've agreed on. People should get married. You don't have to. People should have children. You don't have to. So when you're beginning to wrestle with the questions, the very first thing you have to realize is everything is simply a story Mm -hmm. that we've been told over and over and over again. And you can pull that story apart and it's safe to do that. You can play with it and you can ask questions about it and you can rebel against it and you can look for alternatives to it. All of that is okay. So if mm-hmm. you've been told the story, girls don't do that. Mm-hmm. You can you can play with that. That's not true. That's just something someone told you and you believed. If you were told, I have to make this much money in order to be an important person. No, you don't. You can rebel against that and play with that and, and pull that concept apart. Like how many of us women don't go, I have to be pretty and thin and well-dressed. And mm-hmm. then I'm worthy of love. Mm-hmm. No, no, mm-hmm. you can, you can be whoever you want to be and you are always worthy of love. So the next time you go, I'm going to an event and I'm a little bit nervous because am I enough? You go, oh, there's a story I'm telling myself on what it means to be enough. And I'm nervous. I'm not going to match up to that story. That's why I'm scared to go into this public event. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that story that I'm telling myself is BS. And I don't have to believe it. And that gives you the freedom to show up at things and play because life is supposed to be about play. We experience, we try, we practice, we have fun. It's not meant to be this rigid story that we all have to follow or else. Does that make sense? Or tell me what that brings up for you. I'd love to hear that was so beautiful. (laughs) Well, you know what? The first (laughs) thing I want to say is that um, the concept of coming to terms with the fact that none of this is real is as equally liberating as it is frightening I think because you're like okay well yeah like none of this has to be this rigid I don't have to abide by these societal norms but what is the alternative right Mm -hmm. but I love that you followed that with you're allowed to play with it right um just the other day uh, and this kind of relates but I think that it's like a good, it's a good, um, I guess, example to use to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here. But I was listening to a podcast with um, Glennon Doyle, this author that I mentioned previously. Um, and she was talking about how her wife said to her as she was like typing at 
4 a.m. She's like trying to run this campaign or something like that. Get it, get it to go wild on the internet. And her, um, her wife says to her, you know, we're not going to defeat the patriarchy in the sense that both of them, just both of them are not going to defeat it. She said, we have to come to terms with the fact that we are only a minuscule piece of this contribution of this puzzle, right? And how I want to segue into that is that I think using the concept of play with asking these big questions is so important because you don't have to feel like you have to solve it for the world, right? As long as you are asking those questions to liberate yourself and to reshape and redefine your own experience on earth is what matters, right? Because at the end of the day, as you start doing that process of redefinition and having the courage and the curiosity to explore those big questions, people are going to follow, right? Like you attract what you, what you give off. Right. So yeah, that, that was amazing. Thank you for that. I, that was beautiful. I love that. And I think what needs to be recognized is that we're not going to find some definitive answer because there is none. And that, yes, you're right in a part of, a part of us yeah. is petrified right? We're so afraid of freedom. That's where most of our anxiety comes from. Most Mm -hmm. of our anxiety comes from, I'm actually completely free and that scares me, right? Mm -hmm. But we can respond differently to freedom. We can respond with excitement and play and curiosity because it's really important to remember whatever we build, someone will come tear down. That's that's the Mm -hmm. way life works, right? Because if you think about it, if you look at the way things used to be, mm-hmm. that was new. It was yeah. new to have, like, if, if you look at this, okay, let's, let's go back really far. Mm-hmm. It used to be the main, the main economic system was slavery. That's how, that's how societies were built on slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Then they yeah. graduated to feudalism and it was something new. Like, whoa, we're not just going to have slaves anymore. We're going to have feudalism so people can somewhat own their own stuff but somewhat also still be in slavery and that was new and exciting and people were probably like wow that's kind of interesting and then after that came what came after feudalism it wasn't capitalism oh, it must have been gosh. something else couldn't have just yeah mine too so let's just pretend <laughs> it was capitalism right or or maybe yeah. it was socialism or maybe it was communism or whatever it was but mm-hmm. all of those things were new at some point in time. And now we, as a generation are yanking those things down. We're pulling that down. So whatever we're going to build, someone will come and tear that down too. And that's not to say, oh, life is useless. Who cares? It doesn't matter. That's to say, no, I'm contributing to the greater question. What Mm -hmm. is life capable of? What is possible for the human spirit. If that's your question, what is possible? Then you can give yourself to things freely without the attachment to outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause we, we're so attached to outcome. Well, I want to give my life to this so that this will happen. Yeah, that's fantastic. But someday someone will come and tear that down. Don't worry about it. Say, what is the human experience capable of? Am I capable of joining this struggle? Am I capable of joining, you know, life in, in its, in its, ideas and in its consequences and in all of this and can I be a part of that in a positive way that Mm -hmm. that's the question you have to answer all that other stuff is just situational 
and the next generation will come and have a completely different situation, but wrestle with the same questions. How do I show up now? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Well, what you said there about contributing to the greater question, it's like the answer that you might provide or propose to a big question is somebody else's reason for asking why right? Or is igniting somebody else to ask why and go even deeper, yeah. right? So um, there's a quote that goes, I, I don't know who the person that said it or who originally quoted it is, but it goes, nature is humankind trying to understand itself. And I think that yeah. is such, that concept of freeing yourself and just surrendering yourself to the process of asking why and being curious and exploring it and not caring about having this rigid formula like you know like the one that we use now about gravity or any of Albert Einstein's formulas it's your courage your curiosity is fueling somebody else's in subsequent generations right so totally mm -hmm. I I love that that. I love that and it reminds me what you with the quote that you just had reminds me very much of a quote by Albert Camus who talks about the fact that God is just um, or that we are just God experiencing itself. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, I love that because there's also this, there's also this, um, Jewish, um, parable and I'll probably really butcher it. So for mm-hmm. anyone who has any, you know, knowledge about Jewish history and parables and stuff like that, I apologize for butchering this, but I love it so much that I say it all the <laughs> yeah. time. Um, it's about these, you know, these two rabbis are wrestling with a concept of what is the universe? What is God? And they're wrestling and they're wrestling and they've wrestled for like 20 years with this question and they argue and they fight and they sit in the park bench and, and, and talk about this. And finally, one day God is like, oh my God, I can't hear this anymore. So he parts the clouds, he comes down and he goes, look, here is the answer. And the two rabbis look up and go like, bugger off. We're having this discussion. Like we didn't want your answer. We wanted to Mm. wrestle with the question. And it's like, oh, that's the purpose. We're wrestling with the question. We're not trying to find an answer. You know, I love that. Totally. And I think that, um, I mean, for anybody who is religious or if you don't, and you, or you just believe in the universe or something, I think yeah. that is like, we tend to ask for the answers, right? Like we tend to say, can you just like, give me something, a hint of something, right? But I think what's funny is that the answer always is that the universe or God or whatever force is up there looking down on us, rewards us with even more questions. Right. Because once we find the answer to one, we're faced with another question about the thing we just found. Right. So living in question, I think, is the morale of what we've been talking about so far. And I that fills my soul with so much joy. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, that was all so amazing. And I do really want to ask you about uh, your life coaching and all of that. So um, can you tell us how you chose life coaching and why you kind of chose this as your trajectory for your career um, as one of the things that you're doing, yeah. obviously, among many others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, for me, I have been, I have had this desire in me from when I was young on, which we talked about to do good in mm-hmm. the world. I want to do, I want to do good. I want to do something good. And as I went through my own sort of self-help journey, spiritual healing, you know, kind of whatever you want to, whatever languaging you want to give it, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I fell in love with the process and I just want to help other women do that too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like in our busy culture, we've lost, we've lost the, the way that we used to do it, not to glorify the past, but there used mm-hmm. to be more of a passing down of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, this, this more of a formal, like, Hey, here's knowledge for you. Here's knowledge for anyone who's read, um, women who run with the wolves, you know, this, right? Like mm-hmm. society traditionally had women who mentored other women. Um, mm. and, and we've lost that we've lost that completely. And so for me with life coaching, it's the opportunity to work with other women one-on-one and go, you don't have to wrestle alone. You don't have mm. to try to figure this all out alone. I will be with you as you do it. And this year I'm starting a community, um, out here in South Surrey, we're still meeting online, but mm-hmm. it's a community of women that's going to come together and wrestle with those questions together. Um, because mm. there's so much going on and we're just expected to figure it out on our own, you know, in this individualistic culture that we live in, like figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And it's like, no, we got to figure this stuff out in community. And so yeah. for me, I love to work one-on-one with women and go, if life didn't turn out the way you wanted, or you don't know where you're going, I will walk with you. Right. Not because mm. I have all the answers, but because I can just shine a light for you. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with the, with the greater community that I'm creating, it's really just going as women, we, we rise up when we're together, you know, we heal when we're together. And so to create a space where we can do that for me, that's the ultimate spiritual experience, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to journey with someone in that way. So I, I don't just see my work as work. Um, I see it as a spiritual calling to kind mm-hmm. of just really walk with people and to have people walk with me as, as we, we try to figure it all out. Yeah, absolutely. That is so beautiful. And I love that that is your, um, the driving force behind what you're doing is the the concept of just walking with people, right? Because I think that, like you said, we've told ourselves that it is this individualistic culture, right? And to tie back to what we were talking about, like, we're the ones that have to figure out the answer to them, but, um, it's as simple as two heads are better than one, right? And (laughs) It's, it's funny so funny because I was talking to somebody about how we are um, so reluctant to allow ourselves to receive, be it help, mm. be it love, be it kindness, whatever that is, right? Because we have this tendency to think that we have to all figure out by ourselves, right? But um, then what are we all here to do, right? That's how yeah. I've always seen helping each other and helping the greater community is like, we all have something that we have to share why not, why not share it, right? Why not indulge in what we all have to teach each other, right? So I love that that is your philosophy behind the work that you're doing, because that is such a, such a needed mindset for people to take on as it relates to receiving help and accepting help, right? So yeah, totally. Well, and we're, our traumas and our triggers and our hurts all happen in community right? Very few of us have hurt ourselves. Like I'm not sitting here in my office and all of a sudden I've hurt myself, right? Like, or I've triggered myself or I've traumatized myself. Most of our traumas, triggers, and hurts come in community from someone else that Mm -hmm. hurt me. You triggered me, but then we're expected to go into our own homes and heal ourselves privately. Some healing can only happen in community. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have had, if you have had difficult relationships with women, 
let's say you're a woman who goes, women friendships are really hard for me. You can't heal that by yourself at home alone. That has to be healed in community. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or if you are carrying shame from your past, you need community to look at you with love so that you can let that go. You can get so-and-so far alone, but you can only get so-and-so far alone. Eventually it has to happen in community. So yeah. that's why I'm such a, such an advocate for like, get into a group of women, you know, and if there's male listeners, get into a group of men, you know, or, or co-groups, whatever, but mm -hmm. get into a group where you can do the healing work together or work with a coach or a therapist or someone. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, I love that you said that only, you'll only get so far alone, right? Because even when we perceive ourselves to be walking alone right what do we usually do when we perceive ourselves to be figuring out the formula by ourselves we turn to books which are knowledge shared by others right we turn to websites which is knowledge shared by others we turn to youtube videos which are all information provided by somebody else so we are never truly walking the line alone right even like we might not be in presence with people physically but we're always taking in information from each other so why not just surrender ourselves to that right yeah that's I love so beautiful. That. So that. Um, did you always do life coaching or how did you land on life coaching? What was your journey to this particular profession? Yeah, you know what? Such an interesting thing. I've always been part of communities. I've always helped create communities, whether mm -hmm. that be um, when I was raising my kids, whether that be mom's group communities, whether that be um, a long time ago, I used to do uh, communities for teenagers. So I've always loved the concept of community, always done that work. Um, I actually took a really sort of weird road here. I grew up in a small town in Manitoba. I had no clue that being, a, well, I mean, I'm 40. So when I was mm -hmm. in my twenties, there was no such thing as a life coach where I lived. Like that was like, mm -hmm. there was a counselor, maybe one counselor in town, you know, but like mm -hmm. there was never this idea. Um, and I came from a community that expected women to be nurses, teachers, or secretaries. Like that was sort of mm -hmm. your big options. You know yeah. what I mean? And like, wow, if a woman became a doctor, that was a big deal. So, mm -hmm. um, it was, it was a long time ago, but, um, um, so I, I didn't have any clue of what I was going to do with my life. And I took mm -hmm. all kinds of different paths. I took all kinds of different work. My husband, um, owned a business for a long time. So I worked for him. I really had no kind of purpose or drive, I was just kind of like, well, you know, I'll kind of do whatever I want to do when I was doing my communities, but like on a very just casual basis and with just creating relationships is all I was doing back then and mm -hmm. uh, raising my family and, and whatever. And then I got a coach mm, and perfect. I went, oh, what is this? Like, mm -hmm. this is very cool. And I was immediately intrigued one with the coaching process, but two, you can do this kind of work like yeah what the heck like mm -hmm. this is a profession and I was enthralled and mm -hmm. um and so as soon as I knew it was something within six months of my own coaching I was like I want to be a coach and my coach was like you you should go be a coach like this is this is it for you um so it was it, it's really interesting because I didn't find my calling until I was 32 years old I just sort mm -hmm. of rambled through life kind of not knowing what I wanted to do and then yeah. once it hit, I'm like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And my kids will oh, often ask wow. me, is this your dream job, mom? And I'm like, oh, I'll never stop doing this. Like, this is it for me. Yeah, like, wow. this is why I was made. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is why I was made. That is so, <laughs> to do this work. That is so amazing. So when you, so to backtrack, before you got a coach, 
Um, Was there a big life question that prompted you to seek a coach or was it just by chance that you decided to take up coaching? Well, you know what? (laughs) Um, It's kind of interesting. I have a really, really good husband advice. Mm -hmm. Marry well. (laughs) Very nice. (laughs) Always a plus. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) He is like, he's, he's literally the most incredible human being I have ever met. Mm-hmm. And he was so, he was so lovely because he constantly said, you know, you're made for something. You should, you should do something. There's something in you, you should do. And he didn't have a hot clue because he was like, <laughs> you, you know, know. I mean, he didn't know anything about life coaching either, but we ended up going to a Tony Robbins seminar. We ended up going oh, to, okay. yeah, we mm-hmm. ended up going to a UPW and at UPW, they talked about, it's unleash the power within. They talked about would you like to sign up for a coach? And I was like, oh, not me, you know, like, I'm just, you know, I help you in your business and I raise our kids and, you know, whatever, but I don't need a coach. And he was like, dang, straight, you need a coach, like, do it, you know, like, get mm-hmm. a coach, see what, see what comes up from it. Um, and so it was literally serendipitous. Like, I'm so grateful that I was pushed in that direction because I would say I had, I, I would, I probably would still be working for my husband, you know, raising my kids had that not happened. Um, because for those of you who know the Enneagram, I'm the Enneagram nine. And so I'm just, I'm very mm. much more of the type of person to be in the background. I'm the type, I'm a support system. I'm not a main star kind of a person. So I would mm. never have pushed myself onto any type of stage. So the okay. fact that he encouraged me and the fact that my life coach encouraged me so much actually finally made me go, I think I could actually do this. So mm-hmm. it, honestly, like there, I love the concept of grace, right? Mm-hmm. Like outside of its religious term, I don't think of it in a religious way, but grace is when the universe gives you something out of the blue that you did nothing for. Mm-hmm. And I would say me becoming a life coach was grace because I wasn't actively trying to get there. I wasn't, I didn't perceive it as my, like I had no clue that the universe went, let me give you something. Let mm. me give you a gift. And I opened that gift and I went, holy crap, this is, this is the best gift ever, but it was great. It yeah, was just the totally. universe being good to me. I think, I think what's amazing about the concept of grace, because it's, it's a word that I have found myself kind of throwing around recently, because I also feel that life recently has aligned in such a way where I've been given so much grace. And I feel very fortunate for that. But what's amazing about that grace is it pertains to your own journey is that the universe sent you an opportunity to continue asking those big questions and help other people do the same right yeah so that is so that is so so cool in the end it's all a reflection of who we are like our at our core right so yeah yeah Yeah. that is so amazing Meg thank you so much this has been such a beautiful conversation and I I can only imagine how much information and how much inspiration people have taken away from your beautiful words um Mm -hmm. as the tradition on the podcast before I let you go I do ask you a rapid round of three questions um so (laughs) so the first two are the same for all uh podcast guests and the last one is unique to the guest that we have today okay yeah I got so yeah I can do that (laughs) yes you can you don't have to answer them in like one sentence or one word it's just whatever comes to mind first that you want to share 
So are you ready? Ooh, I like that. Ready. I'm ready. Beautiful. Throw okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> so your first question is what is your favorite quote? Oh, easy. Anthony DeMille in the book Awareness says, when will you realize all is well and nothing needs to be fixed? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to get that tattooed somewhere at some point oh in time. My gosh. Once I get brave enough to get a tattoo. All Honestly. Is well and nothing needs to be fixed. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I love I, I should get that tattooed on like my hand or something. So I just like, whenever <laughs> I'm like hitting myself in the forehead, I'm like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> that's beautiful totally yeah that's beautiful thank you your second question is what is a song that is currently stuck in your head Uh, I wish you pain by and by what's his name Andy Grammer oh I wish you pain by Andy Grammer Mm. yeah it's it's a it's when you first hear it you go wait what but it talks about how pain is what makes you grow you know we're so afraid of pain Mm. but pain is what makes you grow and so the whole song is about I wish you the amount of pain it requires for you to grow because as you experience pain if you keep your heart open your heart grows to love so much more Mm. oh that's so beautiful I'm gonna go listen to that after this episode because the first thing I thought of was like I was like is that like a breakup song or something (laughs) (laughs) no that's That's such an awesome yeah and and if you if you um if you go listen to it watch the video that he created with it because it's all Mm. these people who have had these really difficult things happen to them like people who've been diagnosed with cancer people who have lost a Mm. loved one who really in the video express like you know what came from that you know the universe is so kind it uses our pain and it creates something beautiful which actually takes me to my next my second favorite quote Okay. Um, which is by J.R. Is it by J.R. Tolkien? J.R.R. Tolkien, whatever it is. Oh. Um, but my second favorite quote is, "quote is what punishments of God are not gifts?" You know, and and it uses old oh. languaging, but like when we experience pain, there's such gifts for us. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a beautiful thing to experience pain because when you break, you break open to love, and that's mm-hmm. just a, an incredible life experience. That totally is. Wow. I think that is, that's part of the embracing discomfort, right? Is befriending pain. So that's so amazing. And I hope people go listen to it after they listen to this. I certainly, I certainly, that's so beautiful. Thank you. All right. Your third rapid fire question unique to Meg Hefner is what is a big life question that you are currently trying to answer? Oh, okay. So that's a great question. <laughs> I love that right now. I got a big one that I'm wrestling with actually right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wrestling with what does it look like to take the vow of poverty? Because I want mm-hmm. to live outside of our consumer culture. And I have so many mentors that live the vow of poverty right? Like if you're looking at like um, Richard Rohr, Father Richard mm. Rohr, if you're looking at, you know, any, any, any kind of um, 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 Je- Jesuit priest, mm-hmm. if you're looking at any kinds of those people, they give their life for good. And a part of that is giving up your consumerism. And I'm really wrestling now that I'm 40, I realize I don't need anything. 
I'm Mm. older than I'm 40, but I don't Mm. need anything. And what I want is I want all of my resources to flow through my hands to who does need them, Mm. you know? And so for me, I want to look at in what way can I allow my resources to flow through me and that I'm never trapping them because Mm. they're never mine anyway, you know, and in a world that needs so much, I don't have to have so much, right? Like Pope Mm. Francis said, could we not have a little less so that others could have a little more? And that Mm. really spoke to me. So I'm trying to figure out my own system around the vow of poverty because that's my next step Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful problem (laughs) to be faced with I do I think um and I I say that I say that in the least toxically positive way like I'm not trying to say ah like you know like we're all privileged and everything (laughs) but I think that it is something and we are obviously it's important to acknowledge that but I think that the fact that you have the courage and the willingness and the curiosity to ask that what if right like what is life outside of all this consuming all of this um technology all of this like instant gratification right what is outside of of that of reward without material items right so I love that and when and if you find um some answers to those questions (laughs) please share them (laughs) with us because that is so so valuable please do please do Meg thank you so much and I'm betting that people uh who are listening want to know where they can find you after this episode so where can they find you after this episode yeah absolutely absolutely you can see my website so if you look on the beautiful internet under (laughs) meghefner.com you will find me because I am a over 40 year old mother my children say the only social media I'm allowed is Facebook so (laughs) but yes I am on Facebook I'm on none of the cool social media I'm not on TikTok I'm not on Instagram I'm Mm -hmm. not on anything cool I'm just on the old mom Facebook oh my gosh if you're there you can find me there (laughs) you can find Mm -hmm. me there as well Um, And if you are someone who uses Meetup, if you look under Soul Sister Women's Circle, you will find all of my events, etc. So those are your three main ways. Oh, and you can also listen to my podcast, The Art of Being Human, because you can find me that way too. Yes, I will link all of that in the description. It's an awesome podcast. I highly recommend. And I am so looking forward to checking out that song and more of your work and to hearing more about what answers to those big life questions you have to share with all of us after this um thank you thank you so much Meg this was amazing and you are so appreciated well I so appreciate you because what you're doing and creating here is honestly a beautiful thing and I'm just honored to be a part of it I think you're fabulous and so I'm just grateful to be here and be a guest thank you thank you so much And that was our conversation with Meg Hepner, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to this week's episode. And I hope that that conversation touched you as much as it touched me and left you as inspired and as curious to dive into life's big questions as it left me as well. So like I mentioned, if you're interested in Meg's work, connecting with her, checking more out about what she's doing, 
make sure to check the footnotes in the episode description to see how you can look at more of her work. And also there's information there as well about how to connect with me and keep supporting the Commitment to Growth podcast. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook. It's at the Commitment to Growth podcast. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram. It's at Mariana Jimenez with the spelling in the footnotes as well. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, I'm always very happy to speak to more individuals who are driving amazing change. You can email me. It's commitmenttogrowthpod at gmail.com. And with that being said, thank you again for being here. Your presence is so appreciated and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you so much again.